Welcome to the podcast. Come be part of the conversations that happen around my kitchen table. He's John Brandon, and he's been a stand-up comic for more than 30 years. She's Amanda McKinney, and she's been my daughter for her whole life. Our family believes laughter is a gift from God. We often discover it while discussing culture, faith, and family. So go ahead and pull up a chair, neighbor. Can I call you Carl? There's plenty of room here for you. Okay, I muted my phone. Yeah. I put it on Do Not Disturb. Good. So maybe that'll help. With the we'll tech help issues. with what? The tech issues we've been having where after the recording is finalized and I upload it and I try to listen to it, listen to the playback, there's like, sometimes it goes really loud and then I have to cut that out. And then <laughs> other times. Why didn't you say something? <laughs> I figured you'd figure it out. Blowing out my eardrums. I'm always supposed to be too. Cammy set up the podcaster. I couldn't hear. So she's got Luke's headphones plugged into the port that I'm usually in. So I'm cranking up too. And it's like, man, my headphones aren't working. I look over at Luke. His <laughs> eyes are bugging out. <laughs> he didn't say anything. He still hasn't said anything. I didn't want to interrupt the podcast with technical <laughs> difficulties. Those aren't even the technical difficulties I'm talking now about. Now he's mm. deaf. Uh, yeah, it, there are times where it cuts out or skips, and then other times where it just gives this really loud static. I have to cut out the static. You've heard it, Carl. You've heard some of the glitches. I don't think he has because I've done. I've tried to be diligent about cutting it out, but last time, well, last two episodes, there's going to be a little cut. That was not it. <laughs> it does sound like that, though. And so if you've ever Maybe been like... I should like, just do my own glitches. What if I occasionally insert some glitches that I make myself so that Carl is not shocked by them? Only when we start doing video will that be a bit that will actually work. Okay. Yeah. We should... Uh, yeah, that's a conversation we could have. We, we should set up uh, video cameras. You've talked about wanting to do that. There's a time where Luke was talking and it was a rare occasion that he was talking and you mm -hmm. even mentioned that it was a rare occasion and so you were like luke tell us what do you want to talk about <laughs> and as soon as he opened his mouth to speak it, it did the static thing and i had to clip it out and i was like oh my gosh does this he, even he won't make even sense? talk when i crank the volume in his headphones so loud that it's making his ears bleed he won't even talk then. So, yeah. He's like a stoic. If you've ever been listening and you're like, I feel like I missed about two seconds of <laughs> something important. That could have been what happened. He is a stoic. So he's, uh, we, we haven't had any shows this week, have we? We don't have any comedy to talk about. No. Which is mm -hmm. why I'm looking forward to tomorrow's little riff session. Is that tomorrow or Monday? Monday. It needs I'm to be Monday. Oh, right. he's doing the thing that we're not supposed to do, right? That no, would, it would be was, today. That, that was just a mistake. Today. Yeah. No, tomorrow the kids are in a show, and yes. then they're going to do a cast party later. Which I plan I on riffing on that is the thing I was talking about. About the show? Yeah, I'm going to heckle. About being I'm a gonna, show parent? I'm going to heckle my children. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Well, there's there's uh, a, lot of, a lot of 
good comes from being used to getting heckled. If you have, if you grow up in a family where they don't take you very seriously, that actually works to your advantage later on. Um, yep, we're privileging our kids. Yep, we had a by mocking them. It's uh, tried and true, tried and true method. So uh, the the saga continues that the, the about making making friends with uh, atheists. I had a little bit of a breakthrough this week, I think. Oh, um, I'm writing a book about it, not just that, but about being friends with atheists, about Christian living, and so mm-hmm. it's going to be hopefully a record for my kids. Just little tidbits of advice for how to how to have a Christian life. What that was, was that? a happy noise, Carl. Oh, okay. Don't worry. There's no fighting happening. Okay. Everybody looks pretty harmonious out there. It's just uh, joy so I, and happiness. I posted a meme. It's, it's this one. I don't know if you saw it. Uh, I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, whatever that is. It's a Star Wars meme, and the guy says, "Don't be yoked to unbelievers." And then the Padme is that who that is? Yes, says, but it's okay to be good friends with atheists, right? And he just looks at her and she goes, right? And so uh, we're talking about unequally yoked and how we're not supposed to be unequally yoked. And that's actually in the Bible, Carl. That's not a thing that I said. That's a thing that's in the Bible. Um, but it's been, a, it's been interesting to see how many people want to fight with me about that. Like when I... Just quoting that we're not supposed to be unequally yoked. Uh, the main thing that that I'm told is that has that is just about marriage. You know, the Second Corinthians where you're not supposed to be yoked with unbelievers because that's a that's a directions for marriage. You're not supposed to marry people who are not. But the problem with that is that marriage and wives and husbands, none of that is anywhere. Close to that context. I mean, it's not even, it's not even discussed. Um, so the assumption that that is strictly about marriage, I agree that it pertains to marriage, but I don't think that that's the sum total of the limitations. So, so I had a guy that said to me, he goes, "Some atheists make great friends," and I, <laughs> and I responded, "Atheists make great friends for other atheists." He says, I guess we could withdraw and only talk with each other. And that was when I had my epiphany. That was when I had my aha. Mm -hmm. This is the problem. The problem is that we don't, uh, people don't, can't can't differentiate between friendships and any other type of relationship. If, If they haven't categorized somebody as a enemy, they haven't said, this is my nemesis. This person... This person is my nemesis. Then everybody else automatically goes into the friend column. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's the reason that people are having such a hard time with this. Because it's like, all of these people, I have so many friends who are not believers. Um, and so I, I was like, okay, well, here's here's the problem. We haven't defined what it is. Uh, and so I responded to him. I said, talking with atheists is not the same as forming relationships with them. And then he said, define friendship. I see it as caring about each other in a relationship. That's how they will know about the love of Christ. They will see him him and me, and it's worked in converting some. So friendship is caring about each other in a relationship. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, how do we we feel about that? I have some feelings about that. But what is, 
What is friendship? Because I've been asked several times, people will say, well, I guess you have to define what you mean by friend. I guess what you have to, you have to tell us what you mean by friend. It's like, actually, I don't. I mean, all I'm doing <clears throat> is citing the scripture. I'm just saying you're not supposed to be unequally yoked with believers. You're the one who keeps bringing friendship up. The other one says, I have lots of friends who are unbelievers. So how do you define friendship? What is it that, what is it that they're trying to accomplish you know what is it? What differentiates your what differentiates your friends from the people who you would not consider friends? Let's let's talk about the people that God is wanting us to not hang around. Right? Who when are says, those people? Who are the people that we are not supposed to be yoked with? That's the <laughs> that's the way that it occurred to me this week. I should be talking about it. Yeah. Okay. For we're me. not supposed to be unequally yoked. So who do we not yoke ourselves to? In your opinion, not who are the friends. Not who's it okay to hang out with, but who is God specifically telling us we're not supposed to hang out with? Um, Go ahead. Luke almost <laughs> said something. He almost said something, and then he got. He realized you had more to say, and now he's going to just sit there for a second. Oh, go ahead, Luke. Oh, time is the universal currency, and so I think that for me, if I'm going to be spending leisure time with a person, that person is probably a good friend. Because I just there's not a lot of that time to go around because of family and work and all that stuff. Um, so at work, I have you know professional relationships with atheists, um, right? Very lovely, friendly right. atheists, um, gay people, like the whole gamut of population is usually in a workspace, right? Um, but I don't I don't devote any more time than those work hours with those people, <clears throat> right? But if you were, but this person's definition is. A care, caring about each other in a relationship, and so the people that you work with, mm -hmm. if you if if you're going to be saddled with that definition, then you would have to either not care about them mm -hmm. at all, <laughs> or or they don't care about you, or you would have to consider them a friend, right? And so this this is what occurred to me as I'm I'm talking to this guy. It's like no wonder people are having heartburn about this, yeah, because. Because they see it as anything except it, it's it's a caring about each other right. in a relationship. Caring. And a relationship is the, the word in a relationship. We're all in a relationship. Right. Strangers are in relationships with each other. <laughs> and a strange one. <clears throat> it's an estranged relationship. Right. right. So we're all, the, the word relationship is, 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 it's a non sequitur. We're all in a relationship. We're, we're in relationships with people that we've never met on the other side mm -hmm. of the world. We're all six degrees from Kevin Bacon. Right. We're all six degrees from Kevin Bacon. Right. The caring thing is what's tripping them up because we are commanded to love everyone. We are commanded to care. I actually had some friends growing up whose mother made it, and father too, made it an, against the house rules to say, I don't care about anything at all because you have to care. You have to care about what's right at all times. So you may be trying to say, I disagree with you about whether this is right or wrong. That's a different thing. You're not allowed to just not care. You must care at all times about what is true, what is good, what is right. And so. Okay. So even if it's a thing that seems inconsequential or trivial to you, you still have to care about it because you, you have to decide that it's Whether inconsequential. You have to decide that yeah. it's trivial, and that requires a level of care. It takes discernment, mm -hmm. and it <clears throat> takes thoughtfulness. You can't right. just turn your brain off and say, I'm not going to give this any attention. Like, yeah. no, you live here. 
in this body, in reality. And every time there's a situation before you, it doesn't matter what the situation is, you have to attend to it. You have to process it and care, care about it. And, right. and God says that all the people here on earth are, all the humans here are people made in his image, and we have to care at some level right. about their eternal uh, you know, status. And right. so, so Christians are like, yeah, everybody's my friend because I have to love everyone. And right. they have absolutely no discernment beyond that right. as far as what you're saying. Okay, so who are the people that we care about at a distance? Or who are the people we care about without giving them the privileged label of friend? Who are the people and how do we minister to people at work, our gay coworkers, our atheist, you know, delivery truck driver, our whatever, our mm-hmm. feminist um uh, right. hairstylist. Our, I have a <laughs> our militant progressive. There's a lady who used to Christian do my hair author. who would always regale me with stories. This lady would talk to me about her spouse. She called her her spouse. And it wasn't until like the second or third visit to her that I realized the reason she said spouse is because it was a same sex relationship. Mm-hmm. And she would talk about her son too. And so after a while, after many visits to have my hair done, I, I learned more and more of the story about how this woman and her, quote, spouse uh, acquired this child <laughs> through infidelity. Like one of them, I think it was my hairstylist who like went and had an affair, like got drunk at a party, got pregnant with this son. And then her, quote, spouse decided, well, it's fine. He will be ours. And now they raise him as if he's got two moms. It's... It's a mess, but my point is I have some level of a relationship with her, but I would not call her a friend, even though I care about her soul. I care about her eternal status, and if, right. if there's an opportunity for me to, you know, move her in a, in a new direction, which I tried to do when I could, then I will take that opportunity because I care about her, but we're not friends. We're not friends because light and fellowship don't have light and darkness don't have fellowship like right. yeah. do not have anything in common with you, that you are replacing yoked with good friendship like you've you've substituted well i'm words. not but yes you, that's you did what's you did in your meme you took that verse about being unequally yoked with unbelievers oh i see what you're saying yeah 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 and yeah. replace that with good friendship right which i can see why you would say that but it's also a, i mean yoked is a whole different like it's a whole different visual than just a friendly relationship. Right. I mean, if you're yoked, you're you're on a on a mission with another animal, essentially, right? Um, and trying to pull in the same direction, and you can't do that with two people who aren't on the same path, essentially. Well, you're working to me. Together. It gives the same vibe as the whole. Well, you don't want a seeker friendly church. That means you hate people. It's like, right. no, it's a different. It's it's definitions. Right. Well, the the recent conversation is difficult with a lot of Christians is because they're very black and white, right? right. They're very either or. Um, there's Which, no there's no nuance. Incidentally, is exactly why they need to stop yoking themselves with pagans because they can't handle it. They they are very easily influenced. Right. They're they, vulnerable. they don't stay Christian. They no. become pagans. Right. <laughs> they don't because they don't have the discernment necessary. They're so black and white and formulaic that as soon as their atheist friend said, you know, you really ought to love everyone. The Christian's like, yeah, 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 that's right. That's true. I got to yeah. love everyone. And they right. don't have the backbone necessary to push back on, uh, on that and to, you know, sort out why it, there's some nuance there. Well, so this guy 
it, it went back and forth a little bit. And he, then another person entered the conversation after he said, define friendship. Um, I see it as caring. That's how they will know about the love of Christ. They see him in me, which that concept to me is, uh, requires a whole lot more conversation before I'm necessarily going to say, yeah, I think that, I think that the point of Christianity is for, is for us to be the embodiment of Christ to the world. I, I, it just needs conversation before I'm going to sign off on that statement. Um, but then another guy comes in and says, John, uh, John Brandon and these guys want to live like Amish and not engage the culture of unbelievers. Relationship evangelism is powerful. Keep befriending the unbeliever. <laughs> <laughs> Relationship yeah. evangelism? That's what he says. He said that? Relationship evangelism is, is powerful. powerful. Okay. Powerful. This, and John Brandy just wants to live like the <laughs> Amish. He doesn't want to engage in the culture of unbelievers. Me, I don't want to engage in the culture. Right. I write every single day about culture. <laughs> and this guy says, he's Amish. It's like, I have electricity at the very least. <laughs> and a car. Yeah. You're too, yeah. Much, you're too much of a gatekeeper is what they're saying. Um. Okay, a relationship evangelism. Mm-hmm. My my question would be, what is the difference between that and what used to be called missionary dating, which was expressly warned against when I was in youth group. So mm-hmm. back in the 90s, and yeah, when Luke and I were in high school and graduating from our Christian school, they, they all, all the teachers, all the youth ministers were like, hey, no missionary dating. It's not a good idea to go seeking a deep connection with an unbeliever with this naive hope that you're going to change them right for a couple of reasons number one it's dishonest like even if you don't lose your faith like what a way to use a person what right. a way to manipulate a person by going out to them and being like making them your project yeah i'm gonna yeah. chair you're my charity case i'm going to when they figure that out when they figure out that's what you're doing they'll be insulted they will be and they should be because yeah. shame on you for using like business customer service strategy techniques to market to find a spouse to sell your faith <laughs> to, try, to yeah. find somebody to be equally yoked with to, you're trying to sell your faith like a salesman yeah. and that's Gross. I actually called out one of my former youth ministers for this exact practice because he made us sign a covenant back in high school about how I promise that I'm going to, you know, be, I'm going to live an authentic life with Christ as my savior and, and talk to unbelievers about my faith in, you know, with truth and in, in love, but not so far, so good, not with this, with this spirit of salesmanship, as if I'm peddling, you know, laundry detergent or a box of encyclopedias. That was literally what it said. That line is definitely from the covenant. It was, I'm not going to sell my faith like I'm selling laundry detergent or a box of encyclopedias. He made us sign that in high school, right? And then turned around and became the pastor, lead pastor of a mega church where all he does all day is sell Jesus, is sell Jesus <laughs> like a salesman. Like yeah. he's peddling laundry detergent in a box of encyclopedias. Yeah. And so there's that issue. Well, that's that's the issue. That's what happens with this authentic Christianity thing where it's like, we're just going to be authentic. We're just going to be authentic. There's no, no games, no gimmicks, just real, honest authenticity. And it's like, yeah, you understand that the authenticity 
is a gimmick. You understand? You understand <laughs> right. that? It's literally a slogan. You've, you've turned authenticity into your packaging. They print it on mugs. I am not making that up. Yeah. This is not an exaggeration. There's t-shirts that say, Jesus for all people, you know, and, oh, and I know. that is I know. I've them read the being blog. authentic. But Whatever happened to that guy, by the way? Uh, he's not a pastor anymore. But Why not? Point is... <laughs> <laughs> What's the authentic he reason got, he's not a pastor? He got Luke to laugh. <laughs> got him to snort back there. Okay. Uh, but the point is the secondary issue is that... I'm just going to leave Carl... Hang- we'll just leave you hanging for that, Carl. I think we've talked about it on the podcast. But. Also, it's gossip, and that would be wrong. Yeah. And so we're going to... That's not gossip unless we mention a name. We're going to skip over it because the point is that even if you don't get called out for being a salesman... The, the other alternative situation is that these kids who go off to be missionaries in their schools and in their colleges, they don't come back. They're not Christians anymore. They're the ones getting converted. Right. Because the pagans have no problem with your authenticity, and the pagans have no problems with your wanting to eat pizza with them. Okay? They, pagans kind of like all the free stuff you're willing to give them. It's, it's the part about Jesus that's offensive, and when our kids try to bring up Jesus— that's when they start getting rejected and turned down. And so all these kids Which is, always taught, happens when you bring up Jesus. It if always you, does. If you do it properly. And that's why they're not prepared for that because they've been taught the proper way to share Jesus is by keeping the pagan happy. Right. So then they go into a lifetime people. of you, people pleasing. You should be able to you should be able to bring share Jesus with people and not have them get mad at you. And that's the, that's the reason that I have to defend myself every single week from guys like this because because I offend people and they're like, "Well, you obviously are not sharing Jesus correctly." I would because just Because if you look at the New Testament, you realize that Every time the apostles brought up Jesus, they were surrounded by all sorts of positivity and affirmation. I would just like for somebody to explain to me the difference between relationship evangelism and missionary dating. Just explain the difference between those two. Because I happen to know from personal experience that the youth ministers well, were right about the problems with missionary dating. Would you? Would, but that's, that's on the chopping block, isn't it? Because isn't that part of purity culture? Don't missionary date? No, missionary dating is part of, or, or yeah, not mission to to be disengaged or to not date missionarily mm. was uh, was a, a way of of preserving yourself and and setting yourself apart, saving yourself for marriage, which has become a. Uh, which has done horrible damage to people. It, it wasn't even necessarily. It's only, I guess, tangentially related to. Um, to the sex aspect. It was just like, it, we're just talking about beliefs here, right. philosophies. Just, and, but, like Luke says, pulling in the same direction. Well, I, right. I think I can give you a, a little bit. It's not ex- exactly an answer to your question about what is the difference, but I can tell you why that they why they do this evangelism, relationship evangelism. Um, I know why they do it. The 15-year-old girls who were going to date the hot football player from the uh, non-Christian well, school this is, were doing this is it a long guy, time ago. This is a guy. I know, but he's just as dumb as the girls I went to school he with. Says, he's talking, not to me, he's talking to the other guy who thinks that I want to be Amish. And he said, I grew up in the Southern Baptist Church, so I know them. Talking about me. I know them. Um, they don't have enough confidence in their faith to engage the skeptic. It's too threatening. And so I asked him, how did you determine that I lacked the confidence to engage in critics? Um, and he said, 
a relationship is too risky. It's easy to pontificate on social media. He pontificates on social media. More right. For the guy he doesn't have a relationship with. Right. More difficult to engage one that actually knows you, your weaknesses and strengths, how God has changed your life and transformed you. It's a more time-consuming method of evangelism, but highly effective. They can see the miracle in your life. They are a was, part of it. I like watching Luke. Slowly close yeah. his eyes like he's got a headache. I was waiting for him to actually answer that question. <clears throat> About how he knows that dad <laughs> right. specifically well, doesn't Well, how he knows is because, yeah. uh, because I'm pontificating on social media. I'm, he's accusing me of not generally, genuinely engaging with people. I'm just talking on social media. Right. Um, you should at one point just list all of the relationships you don't have anymore because you were real with people and actually evangelized. Yeah, that like, would, here's that, 400 that people who no longer call me friend. <laughs> my, my former youth minister is one of them who blocked me on uh, Facebook. Gosh, yeah. I've got so many ministers yeah. who won't speak to me anymore. I actually called and left a voicemail on his uh, uh, church voicemail box and was like, hey, give me a call. We can have a real authentic relationship. Yeah. And he did not call me back. If you act like Jesus, you can have a list of ex friends like this uh, uh he says the narrative this he says back to me um the narrative of the new testament doesn't reveal everything about the disciples we don't have many details of their personal relationships that was because i said you know we don't have any models in the new testament of people building these deep mm, friendships right. with mm. people and he says we don't have any we don't have all the details of their personal right. relationship we don't have all those ex examples of them selling their faith like salesmen <laughs> i'm sure they did we they just did. they just didn't write it down uh i said we do have disciples saying stuff like what harmony is there between christ and balliol uh what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever we're told multiple times about the danger of fraternizing with wickedness relationship evangelism is an invention of western christians it doesn't come from the bible and then he says i'm not advocating adopting their worldview why do you assume they will corrupt you and not be influenced by the power of your witness and your life? I think my testimony is much more powerful. There it is. There it is. This guy is not doing what he's doing because it's scriptural. It's, it's pride. Yeah. My powerful testimony will overwhelm the darkness and I will bring them to what? I mean, he hasn't... Well, I don't want to hang out with this guy. Well, you don't because you're a Christian. Yeah. Only pagans want to hang out with that, which if a person had two brain cells to fire together might actually give them pause. My oh, gosh. Christians don't want to spend time with me anymore. The light of the Holy Spirit makes them nauseated by my pride, but the pagans love me. Huh. <laughs> Hmm. Well, that they don't, but, but they see that's what he describes as highly effective. Right. When the pagans love him, that that's testimony to the effectiveness of his ministry. Look, right. it's working. They love me. They want to eat pizza with me. They want. They invite me onto their podcast. Um, I'm I'm building bridges here, and we had a guy last week. One of the apologists that I was talking to uh, was telling me that uh, he's starting to see fruits from hanging out with this atheist of his because mm -hmm. the guy is now a deist. Yep. And that's a huge <laughs> step in the right direction. Yep. And he's, that like, was... he's like 14% Christian now. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hallelujah. But that, <laughs> Can we I, give the Lord a clap, a I, praise I'm a, clap? <laughs> I'm, a little, I'm a little embarrassed to admit this because I've been at this for a long time. It, it just now hit me. 
you know, clearly what's wrong with that. Christians think that any sort of reference to any sort of spiritual anything Mm -hmm. is is a step in the right direction. Yeah, just just them saying things like, we should all love people, or we should, you know, we should take care of our kids, or we should be right. we respectful should, we should to care our about spouse. people, and yeah. we should be friends with it's people, like, wow. even if we even if we don't agree with them. And it's like, see how they're starting to move towards <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> that pagan actually says some stuff that's somewhere in the Bible. Isn't that great? Well, deism is not any closer to Christianity yeah. than than I, atheism. I have an example of that. When I did that comedy benefit show for a liberal politician local one mm-hmm. um and we were at the bar and we were talking and she was like she knew that i was a conservative and i was like you know it's weird for me to be doing this comedy show but i knew she wasn't gonna win um <laughs> but she she tried to find common ground she tried to, she doesn't even live in the state anymore i knew uh, she wasn't gonna win i felt i felt okay she, going to this show she goes i <laughs> I didn't even feel I didn't even feel bad about dissing her. I knew she didn't have a chance. Well, she she, she tried to find common ground because she knew I was a conservative. So she was right. like, "Well, I'm I'm liberal, but I'm financially conservative," mm. which is like, "Oh, okay." So like, <laughs> what? The- like, I, I, I I'm for killing babies and stuff, but I like a good budget, so we're the same. It's, it's like, no, yeah, that's we're not. That is. That is a lot of Christians. A lot of Christians who are like, let's find a thing that we can agree on. And then they go, well, see see how they're moving in the right direction. Yeah. You see how this relationship is is moving them towards Jesus, John? And your suggestion, your stupid suggestion that we have nothing to do with wickedness. They would he wouldn't be a deist today if it wasn't <laughs> for the friendship that he and I have. Yeah. Well, it, it's it really goes back to the same thing I was saying about the nonprofits that are trying to be good or do good without God. And I was like, look, that actually is worse. It's actually worse for somebody to try to be a good person without God than if they were just openly hostile. I mean, even Christ himself says that in Revelation. He's like, oh, the lukewarmth is the thing that's disgusting to me. You're kind of on the fence about, you're on the fence about me. Right. People who are making a ministry, atheists specifically, godless people, who are trying to make a ministry out of righteous works when they still won't submit to the Savior, they still won't admit that God himself is the one who gave them their conscience, he's the one who determines what's right and wrong in the first place, we either are or are not um, moving in his direction. If they're not giving you that, then absolutely everything else they do, and including and especially the, quote, moral stuff, I'm going to read that. Is yeah. a, it's offensive Can to I, God. That's it's so it's so important. It's such a huge thing to understand that morality the morality comes from God. It begins and ends with with the transcendent omnipotent omniscient God. It doesn't it, it is irrational. Mor- morality, ethics, good and bad, light and dark, evil and uh, and righteousness it's incoherent if you don't have if you don't have god right and so the uh one of the one of the non-believers one of the people who hates god who has one of the people who refuses to submit to god's authority right put it that way who suppresses the truth he suppresses the truth and he will not give credit to god but he has ingratiated himself into a whole bunch of Christian circles. Christians think he's a wonderful guy to get to know. He's he's so open to conversation. He's so reasonable. He's so polite. And it's it's so nice of him 
to give us lowly Christians a chance to have a conversation, you know, because most atheists are rude and obnoxious. This guy's so nice, and it and it's so gratifying when we lowly little bitty Christians with our backwater faith are given, you know, a chance to actually have a dialogue with somebody like this who's not a believer. But he said, uh, I think moral conclusions come from just us. Moral conclusions is an interesting thing to say, too. I think uh, they're not something separate from us. I realize this means technically we could all agree to do atrocious things, which would then be our morality, and yes, we could. That sounds horrifying, but I suspect that's the way it is. That's reality. Sometimes reality is horrifying, but this mindset doesn't make me descend into nihilism. It makes me feel more compelled to not be that way and to persuade others not to. After all, if morality is truly down to us, then we have even more reason to embrace systems that help us thrive. Now, I don't disagree with the idea that morality will help us thrive. Um, that's the reason that God gave it to us. The reason that God said, you can trust my laws, and the reason the psalmists and the people who wrote the Proverbs all talk about loving God's law. I love your precepts. I love your law. I meditated on the time. Why? Because it gives me life. It is, it is good for me. Right. Your laws are just. They are Beneficial good. They help me thrive. Mankind. Right. They help me thrive. But my morality, if it comes from within me, um, it doesn't. It doesn't help anybody thrive it because begins, it's not ultimately true. It begins and ends with the human brain, with whatever neurons or chemicals are buzzing around inside the human skull. And you put a whole bunch of buzzy heads together, a whole millions of them, put all these chemical reactions and electronic impulses or electric impulses, and you put them all together and you let them buzz collectively and that, I like fizz. I like when you say fizz. That's what he calls a horrifying reality. And then turns around and says, but you should all agree with my fizzing. Like, right. I'm still going to try to persuade you to fizz the way I do. Well, that's, that's almost literally what he said. Well, I, we're, I'm compelled we're to not be that way and to persuade others. Because I know that deep down it doesn't ultimately have an objective right or wrong, but I still like the way I'm fizzing over here, so I'm going to do my best to not fizz the way those people over there do. To counterpoint, you're the one who brought up that study that showed that if millions and millions of people are all guessing the number of marbles in a jar, they will end up very, very close. Right. As the as the mean. Mm -hmm. Yes. I brought that up because it's evidence for God. Mm -hmm. Like the fact that when you put all of these people together and you give them a collective goal to work toward, you yoke them all together and you say, try to guess these, the number of marbles in this jar. The more people you put together, the closer they get to the actual number, the closer the average guess gets to the actual number in the jar. Why? Because... Because something amazing and miraculous even happens when we use the tools that were given to us by a being that's higher than us for the same purpose. If we're going in the same direction, in that case, aiming to guess the number of marbles. But the problem is that, that a guy who says from the outset, step one, point one, it all really begins and ends with just us. He has dismissed himself from the conversation because we are not going in the same direction. Right, right. And it doesn't matter how much he talks about the, the greatness of communication and the, the importance of dialogue and the importance of respecting each other and the importance of love. We're not going in the same direction because I'm going toward 
whoever it was who put a brain inside of me that allows me and lots of other people to guess the right number of marbles. Well, and he's going to hell. Right. Well, that's that's a uh, blunt way to say it. Well, uh, it's I don't true. disagree. We're but not going I, in the to same use direction. that to use that illustration. And to assign that, because it, it's good, but to assign it to this guy, if this guy, if we were looking at jars full of marbles, um, the reason that it works, the reason that a, a number of people guessing are going to get closer to the actual number of marbles is because there is an actual number of marbles in the jar. Right. And this atheist position is literally, uh, I think that the number of, I think that numbers uh, come from us. Yeah. I think that the concept of numbers comes from us. That's not something uh, that the numbers are not something separate from us, that we make them up. Now, I realize that this means technically we could all agree that uh, that the sums are are just arbitrary and we could we could make up wrong sums. Yeah. But that's the reality. And it's pretty horrible. Sometimes reality is horrifying. That numbers are just whatever we make them to be. Well, well, and the because people are dumb, they often say things like, "Well, the same number one is called Uno right. in another language." And it's like it's that not, is that's not, like, not that's saying the same. The number thing. of marbles in that jar is citrus. Well, it's like saying but. the number of marbles in that jar might be constantly changing. Yeah. You, we could maybe just agree as a group that um, every time we give a label to the number of marbles, an, another ten of them appear you know, in the middle somewhere and you don't realize it, but the number keeps changing. No, we can't just agree that the number of marbles in the jar changes. It's, it's fixed. Because it's, morality is fixed. Morality is fixed. fixed in God. That's, that is the Christian mm. world. You sound, you sound Amish. The world. <laughs> Somebody turn that light off. It's offensive to God. <laughs> the fact is morality is fixed, and that's why it is a huge statement and important to understand that right and wrong, good and evil, exist Independent independently of, of us. Yes. Just like a number of marbles in that jar is true, there's a certain number of jar of numbers, there's a certain number of marbles in that jar regardless of what any of us think or the number feel. is. Yeah, yeah. or, or persuade no matter how much you may be able to persuade somebody to see to agree with your guess about how many jar how many marbles are in the jar it doesn't matter how persuasive you are doesn't change the reality of whether right and wrong is fixed and it is it's fixed and more to the point of the yoking analogy it it is not our job to just convince other people to go in the same direction as us we should be going toward what is right right objectively right and if there's a person who's like oh there is no such thing as a barn there's no such right. thing as a field that we're trying to plow which is all right thing, get out there's of, no such thing as amish get out a, of my harness that's the thing you've been pointing out in relationships around us it's like the arguments stem from there not being a universal interest in the truth yes and, right. and more of an interest in making their opinion the one that wins out yep it is narcissism, yeah. which is why That's a poor, so gullible Christian needs to stop yoking themselves to a guy like this just because he says nice or close-sounding things. Because he's telling you he's not going in the same direction. Right. He's telling you he doesn't even believe there is such thing as the, a, a field that we're trying to right. you know, harvest. Yeah, right. And so there are you so can't gray work areas. with him. Yeah. The fact that he's accidentally going in the right direction looking like he's going in the right direction for a few yards is irrelevant. He's going to eventually wander off the trail because he refuses to submit to the farmer. <laughs> and he doesn't even acknowledge there is such thing 
as a, a person calling the shots, telling us what we're supposed to be doing. So I'm hitching myself to Christ and I'm hitching myself to the Im- immovable, immutable God who gives us the tasks we're supposed to be completing. And he's like, well, every now and then I happen to agree with the tasks that you say come with go- come from God, but I just don't, I don't believe that God is, is real. It's well, like, that's the whole ball game. Okay, go then. away. You don't, you go don't agree with away. me then. Yep. Yeah. And so, well, and the reason I brought it up was you touched on that point that this is a guy who has had I, I, many, many, many conversations with Christians. He's been on their podcast. He's oh, yeah. gotten his picture taken with famous Christians. If he were to hear this conversation, he would actually be like, you know, it'd be it'd probably be a lot more productive if you would have me at the table with you instead of just talking about me. And mm-hmm. It's like, go away. Mm-hmm. Well, but <laughs> we're not going to yoke to you in our podcast. No. My, my point is, and I would be speaking to the, I've tried to say this to some of the apologists on my page, and they're they're just as stubborn and hard-headed and proudful as proudful. Prideful, proudful. prideful as he is. Yep, they struggle with the same idol. They worship um, the same idol. Is, okay, this is a guy that you have poured a lot of love and caring and friendship into. This is a guy who you are trying to move in the right direction, and now he's a deist. And he's posting, I think that moral conclusions just come from us. It's like, how, I, I, I don't need to hear from you anymore. I'm not interested in this sort of, I'm, I'm not interested in following this guy around and, and having a, a deep, in, what an interesting perspective. Let's get together on my podcast. Let's have him on this podcast so he can tell us how he believes that morality comes from. He already uh, told uh, us there's nothing else to say. I, you read that quote word for word. He has said everything he needs to say. He doesn't get the microphone any longer because, not because I'm punishing him, not because I'm mean, but because he doesn't have anything else to say. If I believe that he really does think that morality just is us, I hear that, I've, I've listened, I've understood it, and he cannot He's have wrong. anything else <laughs> to say on this subject. Right, right. It's all just fizz. He's fizzing in a certain way that makes some Christians really think he's nice. But he, as a person who doesn't believe in God, has no objective standard to judge his own fizz. So right. he can go fizz somewhere else. Well, and getting back to the original, uh, the reason where this, where this all started is that there are Christians who honestly believe that, that God is telling us that our job is to get with those people while they fizz yeah. every, every time <laughs> that they want to fizz, listen to them fizz as long as they want to fizz, yeah. uh, assure them that their fizzing is, uh, is legitimate and that we care about them. And th- it's it's just a prison. that mm-hmm. This evangelism has become a prison that's been erected around right. the, the Christians the, where they just can't escape. There's no freedom mm-hmm. in this. I, can't, I cannot imagine being... Um, beholden to having conversations with this person. I can't imagine being of a faith that says, yeah, God's not going to be pleased with you unless you spend time with this idiot every time he wants to talk, affirm everything that he says, say nothing to him except how much you love him and how much you're praying for him and you hope that he comes around. It's like, ugh, I don't want to be any part of that. Something that's been rattling in my head since last Sunday where we talked about Mark 11. Is that what we were in? Yeah. And you talked about Jesus using his popularity to his advantage against the Pharisees. Right. And I've been thinking a lot about that. And I I think I've come to the conclusion that Jesus didn't seek popularity. He just wisely used it. Mm -hmm. Because if 
you're of the opinion that he did, you know, seek popularity as some sort of tool or effective thing, then you would have to reach out and be, and build relationships with unbelievers, which is what we're saying you probably well, shouldn't. I actually popularity don't. Popularity is a different thing. When you start applying popularity the way we understand it and the way we use it to God, mm-hmm. it, it's sort of. I don't actually down. agree that popularity comes from relationships. In fact, the more you can keep people at arm's length, the better the the better the odds that they will actually follow you. Right, popularity, social media, not a especially. Yeah, like you get you gain followers when you do one funny thing or yeah. when you do one you say one thing well that people can genu- generally agree with. As soon as they start to get to know you on a deeper level, especially mm-hmm. if you're a Christian and you're channeling the Holy Spirit, that increases the odds of them un following you so you actually become less popular the closer to the root of their sin you get and jesus was the same way when he fed people he became popular right. then he started talking about sin and being the son of god and, and they crucified him and then he showed up yeah. as a king not the one they expected but they thought that he was right. this thing so popularity right. is fleeting and and this is an and it's area... based on ignorance too yeah. yes you you amass the largest number of people when they don't know very much about you yep. and i think jesus knew that mm-hmm. i think jesus knew that the people well i'm sure he knew it because he said it, uh, that the people who were said taking you, off their coats and <laughs> you just want to be fed again and everything right it's like he he knew he, mm-hmm. he knew that the Yes, he was popular, and I agree. For a he moment, didn't, he didn't <laughs> seek it, but he understood what popularity was mm-hmm. and how futile it was. Yeah, there's it, there is a way that you could use your popularity for a time, but um, if you are if you are gaining your following from saying untrue things in the first place, that would always be a sin. Yeah. That will always be wrong, and yeah. Jesus didn't do that. Well, the danger for people. The danger for us as human beings is that when you become popular, there's a real temptation to start pandering and flattering and giving people what they want in order to, to grow your base and to maintain that popularity. Okay. And so popularity for popularity's sake is just as much of an idol as anything else. Which is what I think happened to said youth minister who yep. then had a congregation and uh-oh. I don't. I don't, I don't want, want to lose. I don't it. want to lose this. Yep. You have to keep them with what you win them <clears throat> yeah. with, as they yeah. say. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, when you when you catch fish, I guess, with this like shallow um, self help kind of biblicism, that's not. It's not really the full gospel. It's just the parts that that cast the widest net. It's relationships. For the it's just. It's, of time. it's a make believe yeah. relationship. It's it's feel good, and we're all hey, we're all in this together. Come as you are. No uh, no conditions, no strings attached. Just come on in, and and we're all going to be yoked together with no discernment. We don't we don't care if there's... You know, we're going to yoke chickens and oxen together. It doesn't matter. <laughs> They're all barn animals. We're all, we're all... They have more in common than they have you know, not they, in common. Yeah, earthworms and, and goats. <laughs> we're just going to hook them all up, and, and uh, that's what Jesus was asking for we're out of time and i didn't even get the chance to describe what it looked like in high school when all these when all these girls were like no listen now listen i know (laughs) i know i'm not supposed to be unequally yoked but listen (laughs) how am i ever gonna win him to jesus this football player if i don't go see movies with him now i'm not gonna see rated r movies We'll sit six inches apart. <laughs> right. We'll six inches. I I had a phrase that I was pretty proud of this week. When, and I said, how are we going to win our unbelieving spouse to Jesus if, if, we, we, don't if we don't marry unbelievers? unbelievers. <laughs> <laughs>
for visiting the Comedian's House. If you want to spend more time with our family, you can follow John Branion on YouTube and Facebook. Also email nextdoor at johnbranion.com with your comments and questions. We'll see you next time.